Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today uh, I'm having morning coffee with my lovely wife, Brandy, uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what we're, uh, what we're just doing here at the uh, beginning of November and uh, a little bit about our fun little pop-up Facebook group that we've been doing to kind of share uh, some principles on uh, creating a salutogenic practice. Welcome this morning. Good morning. Thank you. I see why people think you have a radio voice. That was very radio-like. Oh, was it? Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome. Recognize your radio voice. If you have never met you before. <laughs> so, um, when, what we've actually done this year, like we've always opened, we open up the Vitality Shift twice a year, and this time we thought we'd do something a little different. Um, often, when someone when it opens up, you just have like some information on a, on a web page and then you make a decision whether you want to join it or not. And then sometimes it's not enough information. So we thought what we do instead this time is we actually created a pop-up Facebook group and we did some, uh, we're doing three lives trainings in there and it'll be available until the end of the first week in November. Um, and, um, and we surveyed about a hundred chiropractors and just said, what is their biggest obstacle they find in, uh, in creating more of a salutogenic practice, um, and, and and we found some pretty common threads, didn't we, my dear? We sure did. Everybody pretty much had the same language, with the exception of people who, you know, are looking for more practice management stuff, which is not really what the vitality shift is. But yeah, uh, despite that, I would say probably eighty percent of them said the same thing. Yeah, and so, in some other way, in some language, it was right. a little bit different, but it was pretty much the same thing. So what we're going to talk about a little bit is, is I'm going to um, I'm going to ask a couple questions that we had from um, some of these obstacles. I'll get Brandy to answer, and then we'll just talk about some of the things that you can practice to maybe help improve some of these obstacles. Because I'm th- I'm thinking if we have about a hundred or so uh, responses, and then they're from all over the world, every different country, uh, there's probably going to be some common themes that everybody's going to find. It's going to be a little bit challenging. So. Um, one of the first ones, and this is just an obvious one that we get all the time, is how do I get away from the pain conversation? Right. That's, that's like that's the million dollar, dollar the million dollar question. I feel like we've done a million podcasts on that. Well, I guess that's what the Vitality Shift program is all about. Um, I think, first of all, the, there has to be an acknowledgement from those of us who live in this model, a lot of people call themselves vitalists. We don't necessarily call ourselves vitalists, but who live in this model that believe that the chiropractic adjustment has a profound impact on the nervous system um, cannot get away from the pain conversation, first of all. So let's just uh, tell the truth about chiropractic, which is the fact that people are going to experience pain. When you live in a salutogenic model, you recognize that health is a continuum. And that pain is an indicator for subjective indicator for people as to where they believe they're at. 
So you'll never fully get away from it. So that's an unrealistic expectation that puts a lot of pressure on the chiropractor. And I can say that because we used to put that unrealistic expectation on ourselves. And I remember um, at a seminar one time, somebody saying, you can't be a mechanist without being a vitalist and you can't be a vitalist without being a mechanist. Because if you understand that you are not pieces of a whole, you are a whole made of pieces, then you can't, you can't, minimize pain for somebody. You can't not talk about it. You can't not acknowledge it. The the problem I think and the question more is how do I get people to understand that is only one factor in what is going on for them. And it's usually simply the most obvious acute factor because the brain can only really focus on the most acute thing at, at one period of time. So I think that's more the question, not how do I get away from that conversation? And I, that we, did, we already did a podcast. So if you can look back to that podcast, it was called Leading the Conversation. And Leading the Conversation was one of the biggest downloaded podcasts I think that you did when it was still the Underdog Curse podcast. And the reason being is that What I think the problem is, is that we don't know how to stay one step ahead of people. So when that happens, we get down, but I think the question is that down the pain hole per se, of like, I can't get away from it. It's all we talk about that. I can't move them forward. I can't get them to see anything else. But I think there has to be a period of grace for our people, because if you've ever been in any kind of acute pain, there's nothing else to talk about. (laughs) You do not at that particular period of time. First of all, it alters the brain. So the person can't think clearly anyways. And we, in our infinite wisdom, for some reason, believe that we're going to be able to educate them out of that in that state. And that absolutely is impossible. What an impossible task that we take on um, in that period of time. So I want to, first of all, just acknowledge the fact that you will never get away from the pain conversation in chiropractic or the conditions conversation. I think what we want to do though, is with the vitality shift is what we've tried to do is we've tried to show a systemized conceptual approach that people experience something different that's relevant to them away from the fact that it's just about the pain. That in fact, that that indicator has really shown us that the the system that processes their life, which is called the nervous system, had, is in this overload process. And that happened to be the one indicator that brought them in the door, perhaps. But as a chiropractor, that is not our indicator for well-being, nor is it our indicator for what we're going to do in the practice. But it is good data for us. And I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how um, I think we need to... Because we still link their whatever they're experiencing to the global response of the nervous system. And if we do a really good job of that at the beginning, that's why we do our objective findings. Because now we actually, we kind of almost shift their focus because they realize that, that we're still working on the same thing. But, but like we said, we can't measure pain. We have the, the visual analog scale, but we all know that pain changes, right? So like we always say when people come in and they all, they say, Oh, I have a high pain tolerance. And then we, we kind of rephrase that saying, actually you have a low body awareness. And as your spine starts to move more and, and your spine starts to talk to your brain, like I always say that your, your spine can't talk to your brain if it can't move. And the more that your spine can talk to your brain, the more you're going to actually be able to hear what's going on in your body. So actually your pain tolerance will often move down. And so if we can kind of get the, what they're coming into links to what we're trying to achieve. We, we kind of almost get to shift the conversation right at the beginning. 
instead of doing, uh, I think in the past, we always tried to like uh, hope their pain went away and then switch it to wellness or switch the conversation to prevention or something like that. Yeah, and I think that when we say you have to talk about pain, I'm not suggesting that that's how we do it. And that's what we used to do is we're like, well, we'll just wait till they're out of pain. But now we're going to have a completely different conversation with them. It's really using pain, their pain, their subjective experience of pain, whatever's happening for them, as your starting point for making some relevant linking um, conversation as to why why it's important for you to know that, why it's data for you clinically, but also why it does not show us really anything. And, you know, I have yet to, over the years that we made this shift, and since I do a lot of the first visits in our office, as far as uh, gathering the objective findings and doing the case and life history, I never had somebody say they didn't understand that. And I think we think people don't understand that. As soon as you reframe what pain is for somebody, um, what people don't know, they don't know it's an emotion. They don't know that's the part of the brain that they experience it in. Um, And there's nothing more frustrating for a practice member who's perhaps been in the chronic phase where they've had chronic pain for years and years and years, been to a bunch of specialists. And in medicine, what they say to people when they can't symptomatology diagnose them in the pathogenic model, they say there's nothing wrong with them. Or worse, they say something like it's all in your head. In your head, yeah. So I joke around and I say, well, they're kind of right in a really uh, disrespectful way. Pain is actually in your head. And this is what I mean by that. This is where you experience pain. And so for a lot of people, like if we look at our chiropractic practices around the world, very few of us that live in this model see people that literally have a trauma to their body. And so it's a real global, it's a real global effect on the body. So they don't actually know where it actually is. And when you ask them to point to it, which again, you'd be like, what? Wait, we're not going to find out where the pain is in a subluxation model. Well, here's why it's important because if, if improved awareness, which for us in our office is all that we're doing in chiropractic is that, is that the nervous system is this, is this learning system. That's what neuroplasticity is. And it's, it's a dimmed down awareness. The, the, the perception of what is going on in the body is dimmed down when the spine doesn't move properly and the head position becomes to, off, off kilter in space. And all of these things start to happen globally within the nervous system. So it dims the awareness show people that dimmed awareness. And so when they generally, I love when they go, no, it's, it's my T4. And they've like been to a medical doctor and like a medical doctor says it's your T4. I'm like, and where's your T4? And they generally point to their rib cage or they point to their lumbar spine. So it starts, it, you'll actually, I'm going to show you where it is. And that's actually not where it is. So I often am saying to people, you know, what happens is it, it is a global response And so what that means is that there's not a specificity to it. And the reason that's really important for people to understand is that we are also creating a global response through the chiropractic adjustment. We are not banging a T4 back into place and pain goes away. It doesn't work that way. And for so many people, they're like, I totally got that. As soon as you put it into perspective and they unlearn a little bit of their learning, I, I seriously, like, I guess I speak so much about this because I don't think people recognize 
unless you've really pushed the boundary with somebody a little bit, that they really do understand this concept. And it doesn't diminish how they feel, but it simply is showing them that how they feel is probably their perception is off. And that's what happens when the nervous system is distorted. And when your perception is off, it is off not only internally to the physiology, it is off to the outer world. And now we're not living our lives as vividly with or without pain. Well, and I think that comes up to our next question because a lot of people will say, well, Brandy, that sounds awesome coming out of your mouth, but it just seems to roll off your tongue. Like, it's not that easy for me. Uh, one, of, one of the biggest challenges was, or questions was, how do I become more effective at communicating? Yeah, I would say that of all of the surveys we did, the two words that came out the most was, in communication and effectiveness. Effective came out like a lot, that word effective. And I I was saying to you, I said, isn't it interesting? Because a lot of people say, well, if I could just, like, it just comes off easily to you. Well, today it does. It never did 10 years ago. Uh, When I used to be saying, you you stick a foot on your hose, take the foot off the hose, and then, then that end organ heals. Like, I used to say that. The pinching your nerves. Yeah. Yeah. It's pinching your nerves or like it's sitting on the disc or like it's verbal. always sit on the disc. Like it was just weird stuff. So it, so here's the thing I said to, to you, to the listeners, I said to Dawn, if a chiropractor were to come to one of our seminars and they said to us, I just don't feel effective in my technique. The first question we would ask is that, well, what does effectiveness mean? What are you trying to achieve through the chiropractic technique, through the technique that you, you do? Um, the end result of what you're trying to achieve will determine whether you feel effective or not. Mm-hmm. So the second part of that is if they say, I just don't feel like I'm making the global changes in the nervous system that I want to, we're probably going to suggest, or you probably already know as a chiropractor, well, gee, maybe I should take a technique seminar. Maybe I should go learn some different techniques and put them in my toolbox and, you know, become a master where I can pull out certain tools depending on the person who's on the table. And we would say, that's a great idea. When it comes to communication, for some reason, we think it's totally different. We think that communication just gets flooded from the universe into our brain and comes out of our mouth. But communication is like any skill that we learn. If you don't feel effective in your communication, the first question we would ask is, well, what do you feel effective communication is? What is the outcome that you are trying to teach? What are you trying to get across? And that alone is the question that most chiropractors can answer. They do not know what they're trying to get across. So the minute you're not sure as to what you're trying to get across, you do become less effective because what happens is that people will lead you down the rabbit hole and then you're going to wish you had said something you didn't say or you wish you had been more prepared. So the thing about communication is there's not a, there's not a mechanism like technique that is as tangible. It's not as tangible. So I think that's why we think it's not learnable. But communication is very tangible. It's a matter of deconstructing from what the outcome is all the way back to then, of course, what your language is that comes out of your mouth. So the first question is, what what does effective communication mean? What do you mean by that? And of all the chiropractors who use the word effective, I'll guarantee, say, if 50 chiropractors use the word effective, 
and I were to ask all 50 what effective meant to them, I'm going to get 50 different answers of what they feel effective communication is. That's why it's like the art of communication, just like the art of chiropractic. If I ask what the effective outcome of the chiropractic adjustment is, I'm probably going to get 50 different answers. That's why the art is so beautiful because it's fully expressed through whoever is expressing it. And so communication is exactly the same. How Brandy expresses it is definitely not how you express it. It's not how my staff express it. It's not how the chiropractors we work with express it, but that's the whole point of it. The whole point is not to mimic somebody you know. The whole point is to figure out what is the outcome and where am I missing the boat and deconstructing it back from that and saying like, do I like my language? If I don't, what would be some better words? And that's really what we try to do in the shift is try to show some concepts that you can use so that you can become more effective, whatever that looks like for you. I think that's a great analogy is to connect it to technique because like as far as technique goes for me, this is just in my experience, my goal is not to get all of my practice members to like to get adjusted the way I like to get adjusted. That's not my goal. Right. 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 Some chiropractors, their, their goal or their target of being effective communicators is getting all their practice members to know chiropractic the way they, they know it. Yes. It's, it's, they're, they're trying to get like, they don't feel like it's successful unless they know that the practice members know all the stuff that they know. Right. Totally. So if you have that as your goal for being effective, it's going to be really hard because every, like we said, everyone has totally different values. Everybody has different concerns. Nobody really cares about chiropractic. They just care like how's chiropractic can help me. Just yeah. like, as me as a chiropractor, I don't care like what input I need to put in. Like I'm not attached to what input I need to put into a nervous system to help to move it to more to, into a state of ease. I'm more, I'm more interested in getting them into the state of ease and how that is, is however it's going to happen. And if our communication goal is to help them uh, obtain sustained ease in their life, there's going to be multiple different ways to do it. And we, in order to motivate them to do the work, we need to find out what's important to them to be able to get them motivated or excited about doing it, which is going to be different for every single person. That's why it's actually kind of hard because it's not a script. Well, I hate to be controversial. (laughs) Uh, You love being controversial. Well, I'm not as controversial as I used to be, but I'm going to contend this. I'm going to contend that the the reason that um, patient education programs have been so popular in chiropractic is because we believe that we can buy a program to educate people about chiropractic the way that we understand chiropractic. And if people can understand chiropractic in the same model that we understand it, then they're going to stay under care forever. And that's not true. And patient education is is not actually that effective. Now, I'm not saying education isn't important, but I'm going to suggest that it is less important than determining what effectiveness uh, indicators you have to know whether or not that person understood it for them not whether they could recite for you what you agree with as to what chiropractic does for them. That's not patient education. That is instilling a sense of understanding. So I feel like we should, the shift is more of a practice member understanding program than it is a patient education program. Mm -hmm. 
And that means it changes with every single person. Just like you change your technique or the way you check and adjust people depending on what they need because over many years and tens of thousands of people, you've been able to observe what effectiveness looks like post an adjustment because your outcome is what we call ease. I can observe in somebody on a first visit whether somebody is considering the fact, that's all I care about, are they considering the fact that perhaps we're dealing with more than the perceived problem and that they have all the power within them to walk beside us on this journey that we will not be doing it for them. That is my way of determining whether I'm effective or not. And the way I determine that is all the things I see on a first visit and all the things I share on Facebook and in my book. Those are stories because I, that's how I determine my effectiveness. So rather than just educating people, and this is part of the uh, salutogenic model, is that they looked at, you know, is, is health education the same as health promotion? And they found it is absolutely not the same. And the reason being is if we take a look at the public and we just take chiropractic out of it and we just look at health per se, people have been educated to death about health. There's not one person who doesn't know what they're supposed to do to be healthy. And I use that term in quotations. So the question is, why don't they do it? But if we cannot promote within them a relevancy for them and a way in which they see their role in proceeding forward with promoting what is possible for them, and they actually understand that, not agree with it, not recite it back, not not us parenting them, they understand it, they're more willing to change their behavior sustainably. Uh Well, I think that that goes along with also knowing who's not right for us. And, uh, and I think that's the thing is that we spend a lot of time with, with this education on, on sometimes people that aren't the right people. And so I think this is, this is getting good at getting clear on, on what your outcome is and to see if someone is right or not for the, for, for chiropractic as well. Right. Yeah. And I think it just depends on what you believe is a match for you in your office. Everybody's right for chiropractic is whether or not they match you as the chiropractor. And so, you know, early on we were, when we were, interestingly enough, when we were struggling in chiropractic, it was amazing how many people weren't right for us. As we became more effective, that's the word of the day, in our communication and the way in which we see clinical outcomes as far as biomarkers for health, all of a sudden, more people were right for us. So I, I, like, I'm always cautious a little bit in that because it is easy. Well, wow, they just weren't ready. Where it's not about them. It's about are you ready and are you skilled? And if you really feel like, I mean, then this is never, you don't ever get there. It's not like, oh, now I'm good. I'm skilled. Evolution to becoming even more effective than last year and to becoming more relevant than last year for people. And it's interesting as that improves, interesting more people are right for you than it was 10 years ago when we were struggling with chiropractic. Well, and I think that's the whole thing is that uh, it, the, the better skilled you get, the better you get to kind of meet them where they're at and kind of move them a little bit towards the, the, the continuum. And if we're not that, that skilled, uh, if they want what we want, it seems easier. And if they, if they're not a match at the beginning, then it seems harder or else we just don't want to do it because it, it's yeah. it's too stressful. And I think that's part of uh, like in the shift, we always talk about the chiropractors looking after themselves as well, because we talk about a lot of new practice members coming in and they're in that st- state of stress or that state of freeze. 
Uh, so they have a hard time doing higher cognitive things. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of chiropractors are in that same state. And, and so in order to be a better communicator and be effective, we need to look after ourselves because if your frontal lobe is not working, um, one of the number one goals uh, in our hierarchy of vitality is connection and creation. And the only way that that works is if our prefrontal cortex is healthy. And so um, when we're trying to learn how to be effective communicators, but our frontal lobe is shut off, uh, yeah. maybe hard in the first place. Well, and the third thing that came across with the survey was mindset. Like people did, did say like, I need to get out of my own way. I don't have the proper mindset. I don't, I'm having a hard time being like congruent. And I think uh, we've talked about this in the past. It's really hard to be um, emotionally present with somebody, which I think is part of effectiveness and be unhealthy yourself. And I'm not talking physically unhealthy. I'm talking emotionally unhealthy. And 2020, I think, has been the strain of, of the lifetime for many of our small business owners. And the ability for us to stay in a place where we are not just doing the things, again, because we're, here's what I found with chiropractors, they're, they're highly educated. So educate, back to being educated, they're highly educated. And so they're doing all the right things. And yet, so many are not well and they're not vital. And how is that possible when they're doing all the right things? That's the difference between education and understanding. And when we know that the, uh, the biological hierarchy is always going to default to survival, um, and if we, if we don't put so much energy, not just into physical doing, to really inhibit that, that is going to be our driving force. And so when that's our driving force, there is no way you can be effective and you can be relevant to somebody because frankly, your threshold is too low and you have got to be able to, what we call, it's called holding space, which sometimes I see holding space as being a lack of boundaries. So I want to be clear on what I mean by holding space. Holding space means that you can tolerate the, um, the cray-cray from our people because they don't understand it. And so they are going to behave and act and talk in, in a way that is straining to our threshold. And you have to be able to wear an armor around that while still holding space for them because it, this takes time. Understanding takes time and it's not going to happen in 12 visits or 24 visits or a year. It ha- you do it until, and the until could be a long time. And so if you are not emotionally healthy as well as physically healthy, it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give some people an example of, of, of what we're doing in this pop-up group, because again, this uh, podcast is coming out on the 28th of October um, and our pop-up Facebook group is only going to be available till um, I think about the 7th of November. So when this podcast comes out, there's only going to be about a week and a half in order to take advantage of this because our Vitality program is going to open on November 2nd for five days. Um, maybe, Brandon, can you maybe tell the listeners uh, a little bit about the three live trainings that we're doing in that group? So if people sign up to that, they'll still be able to get to take advantage of that before uh, the pop-up group closes. So you have five days. Have you waited to listen to this podcast? It's done. But the well, I know. <laughs> I think they, they will have they will have about twelve days from when the podcast. Oh, twelve days. Okay. Well, to listen awesome. to it. So pop uh, so be- <laughs> up Facebook group is pretty cool because I think we're the only ones so far that I can see have done this, and I'm sure it will follow. Um, it's exactly that. It's like a pop up shop. It goes up and it comes down uh, for people to really have more access to to you and I. 
the way that we work, the way that we communicate, the, and, a, and also a sneak peek into the Vitality Shift program. And although we do have people who have already purchased the program in, in the Facebook group, um, they, they're, the first training is already done. We did it on something called this, a sense of coherence in the salutogenic model, which really looked at what has to be instilled in somebody to promote health for them um, and what that, what that means for chiropractic. And the next one uh, coming up will be a sneak peek into the program as far as teaching what we call our subluxation love languages, as well as uh, why we did something called the chiropractic vital signs and why that's so important to be relevant to different people that come in. And the last pop-up training that we'll do will be on some case or life studies that we have done in our office in this model and what we have observed with people over time, both with the vital sign changes, but also with their life changes. So, and then all any care considerations or technique considerations that we, we had. So those are the three trainings that we're doing. And um, yeah, so we've got hundreds of docs in there. So definitely, if you want to join us for a very short period of time, come on in. Uh, you, the link will probably be below or within the text. It'll be in the show notes. You do have to apply. You can't just join and you do have to answer questions before you come in as we are try- we're keeping the tribe fairly clean in there. Yes, so you got to follow follow the instructions, and then again, the the vitality shift will open on Monday, November second, and then it will close again on November sixth, and that'll be it for this year. Um, so, if you're interested in getting in there, make sure you go to www.thevitalityshift.com, and you can either sign up for the waiting list or during that week, you'll be able to register there. So, my dear, what kind of words of wisdom do you want to leave everybody with so that they all get fired up going back to work or fired up about their life or excited about the universe? Okay, first of all, just for uh, notes <laughs> takes, he does not call me my dear in real life. So, because that, that would be uh, like we're 200 years old. Second. Well, we're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, we are getting close. Uh, secrets of the universe. Okay, let's see. What's, what are the secrets of the universe? <laughs> I, th- I think that um, as always, when we talk on these podcasts, we try to leave uh, the listeners with a sense of possibility that, that um, you know, if you, I know a lot of you have followed us the, our entire journey since we've been public figures, I guess. And what we didn't know then that we know now is that there's so much possible for our people that we weren't even aware of. And so I think the thing is that a lot of people hope that they can um, use our experience in place of their own. And you, you really can't. Our experiences and our practices really are lessons. And so you never really fail anybody in your office and you never fail yourself if you can always look at everything as data. Everything is data for you. So when you're trying to become more effective in your communication or more relevant to the people and you feel like you missed something, rather than having kind of an emotional a sense that you failed them or you failed yourself, just look at it as observation. Um, you become stronger in your skill set because that's really actually where you can see if you're lacking, where can you learn to do something better. Otherwise, what happens is we just default to the, oh, it's, it's just too hard, and, or I just can't do it, or it doesn't matter, or they're not right for me. And I think we're, we're failing faster today than we were even 10 or 12 years ago, because when something doesn't work in our practice now, or we feel like, oh, what happened with that person? We're, we're like, well, that's, that's data. Something, something fell apart, and where did that fall apart? 
and and we just collect it. We collect it in our little file folders for future in our brain. And then we go, is there something I need to seek to learn? Or is there something that I just wasn't present? Or was it? And again, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to stay under care forever. My job, I believe, is to be the best I can at the moment in time I'm in front of somebody and they make the decision. And next time I'm just better. And that's really, I think, what I want to leave you with is that that's the, that's the only thing you control. Awesome. And just like the chiropractic adjustment, um, we are uh, helping the body become more aware of itself because that's the first step in any change process is becoming aware. And so um, I think we were talking about this before we even got on here is that the only way to inc- improve communication is to increase your awareness of what you're currently doing. And sometimes that by itself will, yes. will, will, will improve because you're actually more conscious about it. So, so thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. My dear, even though it's my dear. <laughs> You're welcome, my dear. <laughs> so uh, everybody, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, we, we want uh, the best for you. And uh, until next time, shift on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out. Thank you.